you come in with your own ideas of what needs to be provided in the moment you can provide something but it cannot be what's really needed so the first step to being a good provider is to quiet your own ideas and to look around and observe and listen and be curious and ask questions so that you can determine what's really needed in a situation before you just start providing things today's guest on the show is beverly williams I had the privilege of working alongside Beverly for several years in a small tech company together, and I saw firsthand how she could thrive under pressure. And it was only later that I learned more of her personal story, and she was such an example of resilience and serving others with joy no matter what madness is going on all around you. It's my privilege to introduce you to Beverly Williams. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. You're a mom of six. You've got quite a story with that. You were working at Crosscom where we were both at, and I didn't even know it, but you also had a couple other side jobs. Just really taking hold of this mantle of being a provider for your family. Uh, and the cool part was like, you didn't boast about it or tell me anything about it. You were just going about your work and plugging away. And, <laughs> and you provided a, a genuine example in my life, Beverly, of what it means to provide for others and just sacrifice and just get it done and don't complain and just go after it. And even if it's hard and then, you, but at the same time, you had such a warm and genuine demeanor and attitude about you. That's just this wonderful blend of uh, what, what I call bless and protect. You've got the soft side of you, but then you've got the hard side. Like I, saw, <laughs> you know, like, I remember, um, uh, I remember we, ha- we had an issue with the IRS and, and you had to like get on to the people to say, okay, this is, you know, we're fine owning the mistakes if, if it's our mistake, but then I feel like this isn't. And so give us the information. And it was just so cool to see both sides, that personality, that soft and hard side of you. So that's my intro to, to Beverly on the call today. Um, and what, what are the hats that you're wearing right now? So you're business operations manager at, at Crosscom, and I know you do so much more, but get me and our listeners up to speed of like, what, what does a day in the life of Beverly look like here? Okay, well, maybe we'll go through a day and that will, that will be a good way to do it chronologically. So um, just recently, I have a new client. Their home base is in London. So due to the time difference, my day starts with them. Before my day at Crosscom, I am checking, because they're five hours ahead right now, I'm checking those emails and seeing anything that needs attention there uh, at the very beginning of my day with my coffee. And is that bookkeeping work or are you doing it sales is. work? It is bookkeeping yeah. work. And then Crosscom, as you know, has our stand up at 9 a.m. Of course, we're all working remotely these days. So we all jump on a and we have our stand up and we usually share what we're working on that day. And sometimes I have my ideas. I have my list, my to-do list, because you know I like those, for that day, for Crosscom, and then many times I come out of stand-up with a whole new list of things to add to my list for that day, and it ranges from, once again, the bookkeeping. I provide executive team assistance, support, administrative support to the executive team, and I do all the HR-related items, so um, a lot of my day is now spent on anything HR related, whether it's hiring, the hiring process, we're actually hiring someone right now, 
having one-on-ones with employees, we've started using a new system for sort of the HR field, for staying in touch as a team, for staying connected. Uh, so having one-on-ones with them, finding out what their needs are and trying to make those things happen. And I usually have some, some marketing and sales and operational type tasks to do for Crosscom as well. And sometimes meetings with the executive team. And then later in the afternoon, when that has either been finished for the day or put aside until after hours, if there's something that needs to be completed that day. I do have my work with another company where I manage relationships, which I love. And I reach out to my clients and I see how things are working for them and I see what they need and I try to make that happen. So there's a theme here. I'm always trying to make things happen for people. But that is my love language. As you know, acts of service. So in my professional love language, I really maybe one day would love to write a book about how love languages work in business. So uh, I, I spend some time doing that with my clients. And then I usually uh, eat some dinner <laughs> and then I circle back around to anything that's remaining from the day that really needs to be finished that day. I was thinking you probably are ready for another cup of coffee. After, <laughs> oh, after there's three coffee companies. all through there. <laughs> the coffee is, now that we're working from home, the coffee is downstairs. There's also a dog that has to be walked several times a day. And I try to get a run in somewhere in there if it's um, not raining or practice yoga. So exercise worlds are pandemic proof because they can happen regardless of whether the gym is open or not. Uh, well, there's so much to dive into with that. So what I'm curious about, so your love language, like I said, is access service. And so you enjoy the role of serving others, whether that's an executive team, a client, mm-hmm. a, uh, a coworker. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, and you're able to do that via a variety of roles and skills that you have from uh, bookkeeping, from sales, from operations, from HR, all that. And so your love language is being well used. How, <laughs> how, I mean, that's a full day. Yes. And, and that doesn't even have anything to do with family, family friends <laughs> and, and, and the stress that comes with that. So, so how do you, so you're giving yourself a lot. This is like a great example of providing for others. And it's in your sweet spot, which is wonderful to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you're forced to do. You genuinely enjoy it. And how in the world do you stay fresh and how do you fill your own vessel there in order to serve others? That is so important. And actually in my younger years, I didn't realize how important self-care was at all. I, I approached my love language was the same, but I approached life with much more of a martyr attitude, which a lot of moms do. Um, there's so many demands on your time. Um, when I had small children, they don't, fit neatly into boxes or schedules or anything like that. Um, so I, I approached life with more of a martyr attitude, but that although I got a lot done for my family, that's really doing them a disservice, I realize now, because, and it would be the same in my professional life. Um, if, you, if you just do everything for everyone, but you don't practice any kind of self-care or filling your vessel, then eventually burnout happens, resentment happens, and it colors every relationship that you're in. So um, as I mentioned, uh, for me, yoga and running are ways that I fill my vessel. Um, They keep me healthier, um, and they give me time where uh, no one is asking anything of me, um, and they're very meditative 
for me. And that really helps fill my vessel. Um, it, sometimes I do uh, find hiking instead of running and being in nature is very, very um, renewing for me. Um, I often find that problems that I've been wrestling with, be they business or personal, I gain a lot of clarity on those challenges, either during a run or immediately after a run uh, or a practice of yoga when my mind gets quiet. Uh, another thing that really fills my vessel is to spend time with really close friends, friends who are not just fun, but friends who will call you out if they hear you say something that's hmm. not beneficial to your life, friends that will challenge you. Um, it's a little personal, but I do spend time in prayer. I find that that really fills my vessel. Um, spend time listening to really good, sound teachers, uh, both of God's word and just of life in general. Um, I've tried to be very intentional, re especially recently. I've become much more intentional about my social media feeds. And um, if something is not filling my vessel, um, to borrow your term, which is a great term, I just kind of mute that um, so that even when I'm taking a mental break and scrolling through social media, I'm not doing anything that's not to the benefit of myself and therefore the people in my life. Yeah. Well, what a big moment for you to go from that being a martyr mindset yeah. to having some self-care with it. So what prompted that? Was there a moment or an event? Mm -hmm. There wasn't, um, it was a process. It was definitely a, a very, and I'm still in that process. I'm still learning that. Um, there were some events in my personal life that made me very aware, um, that made me dig deep and find out, you know, be willing to admit that I was feeling resentful and then to dig deep to figure out why and what I could do about it. Um, I'm a big believer in therapy in practicing good mental health as well. And um, I have a therapist who I've worked with now for seven years. Uh, I don't see her as regularly as I used to, but I can always call on her and she knows my history. She knows my personality, my challenges, my strengths and weaknesses. And she will, she challenges me. I mean, she really challenges me to the point that sometimes um, there's part of me that says, you really need to set up uh, an appointment. And there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to do that because I know that she's going to challenge me, but, but it's important for growth. Um, and you, and I remember you, you did a, an excellent job of setting boundaries of letting me know, for instance, like, Hey, I've got, I've got an appointment or I've got a counseling session here and you're very open with that. And mm -hmm. I, I think in a, uh, in a, in a, in a healthy way that made me feel like, Oh, this is, this is important to you. And I want to yes. honor that. And the word boundaries comes to my mind because you've got all these different people and jobs and, and how do you set boundaries so that they know when you're online or offline and that it's a win-win for everyone here? Oh my gosh. Communication is so important at all times and in all relationships. And this pandemic is really brought that to the surface. Um, and it's really presented an opportunity for people, whether it's business or personal, to improve and be intentional about their communication. Um, there's nothing worse, I think, in business than needing an answer to a question, needing it from a specific person, reaching out to that person, and then waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, perhaps that person is, is out of the office that day. 
but they didn't put up an out of office message. So if this happens repeatedly, then you're feeling like maybe feelings of resentment can creep in. You're feeling like maybe this, I'm not important. My role is not important. This person doesn't think my question is valid. They think I should be able to find it somewhere else. You begin to have all these thoughts when really it's just the person isn't communicating well. So letting others know how important, leading by example, communicate and putting up out of office messages, letting others know when you will not be available. Um, if, if someone asks you a question during a time that you should be available, but you just can't get to it, a quick response to say, I will get back to you on that today, tomorrow, whatever, setting expectations. And then of course, honoring those obligations and owning it when you miss the mark. Those are all really, really important. Um, and I find that the more transparent you are with people, if you missed it, to just say, I am sorry. I know I told you that I was going to do this. I forgot. Everyone forgets. But most people, especially in business, are not inclined to admit it. Um, but I find that the more willing you are to be vulnerable and transparent with others, you give them permission to do the same. And it only improves your relationships. Uh, we could do a, you said you want to write a <laughs> book. You could do a case study on all this. That. Uh, <laughs> Oh, it just reminds me, and that's what makes you such a, a genuine person is because you've, you've done the work anywhere from admin research to now, you're, I mean, you're leading an organization with their HR and their growth and their development. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so, so you, you have an appreciation for all types of roles with it. And I like the no-nonsense attitude, like, you know, we forget things, we just don't admit it. And we need to yeah. admit it and just own up to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, relationships whether they be business or personal are built on trust and even in the realm of business while we're all being professional it's businesses are made up of people and people communicate and they are in relationship with each other to some extent or another and if you're going to build that trust over time even in the business realm being appropriately transparent with others really gives them permission to be appropriately transparent with you and can really build long-term business relationships. And as we all know, in sort of the sales and business world, keeping current clients <laughs> is the key to success. It is so much more difficult to bring on a new client, but to keep your, your current customers and to keep them happy. Um, and we also know that the best sales is a personal recommendation, what we call word of mouth from one person to another. Ah, it's so good to reconnect with you, Beverly. Yeah, so, it is. Uh, so I wanna find out what, what's, what's inspiring you and motivating you right now to do all this work that you're doing. I mean, you know, we focused a lot on your professional world, and so what's the motivation and inspiration behind that? Um, so always my motivation is my family. Um, always my motivation is being a provider for my family. Um, that has taken on so many different roles in my life. Um, as you mentioned, I do have six children. They range in age from uh, 12 to 25. <laughs> and so some of them are adults. I have one turning 18 in August, but um, it's been so interesting to see how those relationships develop as they become adults. But, um, you know, from the time that they were young, I provided, you know, I was mommy um, and I provided all that moms provide. Um, I didn't provide for them as much financially during that time as I did in just, you know, the physical caretaking and the emotional and um, scholastic development 
of the of the children um, as they grew and as our lives changed and I began to provide for them financially as well. I have been so blessed to have so many opportunities, um, doors opened that, that only God could open um, to provide for them financially and yet not have to be removed from the physical caretaking uh, uh, and being a part of their lives on the day to day. I didn't have to put them in the care of someone else all the time for long hours every day. Because when I came to work for Crosscom, Joey was my youngest two were still preschool age. Um, and my role there was less than it is now. As they've grown, as the company has grown, we've been able to, I've been able to, my role has grown. So it's been a real blessing um, to be able to still be present in their lives as their caretaker and their mom, and yet also have multiple avenues open up to me to provide for them financially. And technology has played a huge portion in that. Um, without the internet and laptops and all these wonderful things that we have to um, to telework uh, and so forth and employers who support family and work-life balance this would not have been possible and so I'm just I'm literally humbled every day uh, at those blessings and how they have helped me to be a provider for my family. Yeah that appreciation comes through so much and in, in how you carry yourself as well, uh, that, you know, as your colleague, I could, I could feel every day as your right-hand man, literally on the, <laughs> in the right side of the cubicle. And just to share the highs and lows of, of life, you know, like that's the beauty of a small business is like, whoa, this is hard. We're in the red or we're in the yes, black. Yeah. Uh, uh, customers and employees and I mean, everything to go through that. So, uh, you know, you got to see me in stressful situations mm -hmm. and to help me through that. And I think that's one of your gifts as well. You know, as you mentioned, your love language is serving others. And also, I think what that means is supporting others mm -hmm. and doing whatever needs to happen with that, uh, which is just a, a great um, trait that you have. Um, as you think back to what helped you get to this place of being the person that you are, what are some examples or moments where you've you think back to and you say, wow, I was provided for in that moment. And that was oh. a substantial moment. Yeah. So um, one of the things I'm most grateful for is opportunities being provided. Um, one opportunity, one moment that, that stands out in my mind distinctly is um, early on, right before I went to work for Crosscom, I was a single mom, newly single mom of six. Um, and we were all doing what we could. Uh, the elders were watching the youngers. I was actually cleaning houses to help make ends meet. And I came home from a long day of that. Um, and I had promised the younger children I would take them to the playground in my neighborhood. And I did not feel like it. <laughs> um, but I thought I can do this. You know, once we get there, be outside, it, it'll be good. So I went and I met a mom there and we started chatting and that opened the door for me to come to work at Crosscom because she was, uh, she's married to um, an employee of the company and she knew they were looking for a bookkeeper. 
And so I'm so grateful for that opportunity. Um, and then the preschool where my children were while I came to work at Crosscom, there was an opportunity open there for just a small part-time position that I could do remotely and that supplemented the Crosscom position and, and just things have grown from there. So while I'm grateful for opportunities, I'm grateful for um, grace and intelligence that God gives me, um, strength he gives me. He's given me a good work ethic that came from, you know, from him and from my parents. And I'm just grateful. I can see where he's brought all the puzzle pieces together. When I look back over the course of my life and my previous work experience and so forth, I see how it all led up to this. And I, nothing is wasted. I, and even recently with the challenges that we've had. Someone told me yesterday that in some languages, I was speaking to the fact that this pandemic, while is a crisis, it's also an opportunity. And they said, oh, did you know that in some languages, the word for crisis and opportunity is the same word? And I did not know that, but I've been feeling that a lot lately. Like, yes, this is hard, but it's also an opportunity to get better. And, it, and I literally mean that in all areas. We can, we can look at this as it's bringing issues to the surface we have to deal with. They're not gonna be shoved back down anymore. And I think we're seeing that everywhere. And how are we gonna do that in a way that makes us better? Hmm. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Just let's all get better. How can how can we all get better? Get better? <laughs> well, I I mean that's why I love the idea and the challenge of being a provider of mm -hmm. you know it's a, it's a word that we tend not to use a lot. It's a word that it seems maybe antiquated. And another friend that I, I had a chance to um, catch up with, he said, "Yeah, I, I resonate with it because it was I, I thought in terms of uh, being a discipler." And that can be kind of a, a biblical word that's also hard to understand, but provider seems more practical. And so um, in your world, as you serve others and your family and business, how do you define being a provider? Was it, and what does that look like and feel like in your own words? So I think one of the keys to being a good provider is to be very aware of what needs to be provided at the moment. Um, and you can't do that without being curious and listening. If you come in with your own ideas of what needs to be provided, in the moment, you can provide something, but it cannot be what's really needed. So the first step to being a good provider is to quiet your own ideas and to look around and observe and listen and be curious and ask questions so that you can determine what's really needed in a situation before you just start providing things um, out of maybe your strengths, um, but may not be what's needed in the moment. Um, and one thing I like to try to provide we're all responsible for the energy we bring into a space. And regardless, if, even if I'm in an environment where I don't know what's needed, I'm coming in like blind, uh, whether it's to a group meeting or a family situation or whatever, I can be responsible for the energy I'm bringing. And I can bring a positive energy. I can bring a curious energy that says I'm here to help and I'm here to learn. Like I'm here to to hear from you what you need before I just start throwing my solutions at, at the situation. So how, that's great wisdom. So how do you bring in energy? What does that look like? Practically, do you do a little self-talk before that? Or right. what does that mm -hmm. look like? So um, the, it goes back sort of full circle to the self-care. If I don't practice self, good self-care, if I'm in a, and we all have our moments, but if I'm in a day-to-day, 
eating poorly, not exercising, not practicing good sleep hygiene, uh, not keeping my environment uncluttered, that type of thing, then I'm always tired. I'm always behind. I'm always rushed. I'm, I'm feeling like oh, I'm overloaded. I'm not setting good boundaries. I have too much on my calendar. And that is it. And I wake up in the morning already behind and already feeling pressured. And then I bring that energy into every interaction I have that day, whether it's in the kitchen with one of my kids or in a business meeting. If I'm rushing in and, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm late, all this stuff. Even if I am really late, I can come into that same meeting with, thank you so much for waiting for me. I'm sorry that I'm late. I'm ready to get started. So by practicing good self-care on a regular basis, and we all have our moments, there's always going to be times where we don't succeed. But the goal is to enter my day well-rested, well-nourished, and having taken some time, whether that's prayer, yoga, running, walking, something to center myself before I bring that energy into other people's lives and being prepared to be the best I can in every situation. And if I find myself in a situation where I'm not, I become aware that I'm not bringing good energy or I'm feeling triggered by something in the situation, taking a step back, even if I have to stay in the meeting, um, if I can't take a physical step back, I can take a mental step back and being aware of why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and um, not saying anything in the moment until I can kind of make an adjustment because we don't, we don't often regret what we didn't say, but we often do regret what we did say in the moment of passion or uh, anger or whatever, or being afraid, whatever the situation might be, we often regret what we did say. So it's better to just take a moment and not speak and to be okay with saying to someone, I can't answer that right now. I, either I don't know, or I need to think about that some more. That one has been huge for me because in my desire to meet others' needs, in my desire to provide what they need, um, when I'm asked a question, whether it be verbally or on Slack or in a meeting, I have felt that I had to answer the question right then. I had to have the answer if it's something I should know and don't know. And um, a lot of times the answers that you give in that situation are not factual. They're not well thought out. You don't have all the pieces and taking, you know, being okay with being, making yourself vulnerable to say, I don't know that, but I will find it out and get back to you. Or I need to think about that before I give an answer. Um, that's a boundary that I have had to work very hard to set and balance with my desire to serve and provide. Mm. Yeah, because there's that strength that you have. You mentioned mm. that love language, you know, in the upcoming book, that will be so <laughs> exciting whenever you can fit that into your oh, yeah. schedule. Uh, yeah, and you're right. There's there's the there's the other side of that. Is that there's there's a potential to uh, serve others in a fake way of maybe giving misinformation because like I just want this. You know, you said it's not factual. Or if it's I'm not I don't have the energy and I don't have the the capabilities to serve you right now because mm -hmm. I'm doing this maybe out of uh, you know martyrdom or just doing this to look good. But um, my soul is being crushed right now. And just yeah. all those practical examples you gave of 
of running and hiking. And, and I should say too, it's so fun. I ran my first half marathon with you. So yes, you helped you motivate me you to do that. You crushed your first half marathon. <laughs> that, that was so fun because you got into running and I saw yeah. you and I was like, this is amazing. Yes. And, and you, you really got into it. Um, so what, what started running for you? Because that was a fun transition that happened right right around the time that I was leaving Crosscom and uh, you got into running and that was one of those healthy exercises and um, activities. I have never been a sports girl. I did not play sports in school or, and I, my only sports for most of my life as an adult was chasing my children around. Um, so as my children got older, um, that afforded me the time to be outside running. Um, and I went through some things in my personal life that were very, very difficult and I could have let them crush me, but I knew I, I, I couldn't do that because of my children and um, my motivation. So I had to find something that um, would give me strength, would be a stress relief. And in the beginning, I, as you mentioned, I was training for a half marathon. So it, it had to have a schedule that I had to commit to um, and keep me going during um, what has turned out to be an almost three-year odyssey of personal issues in my life that will hopefully be resolved somewhat soon. Um, but the running and the yoga have really been a touchstone for me during this time because regardless, you know, many things have happened in the personal situation that I have had not only no control over, but I have not had input into. And I've had to yet deal with the consequences of those. And, and knowing that I can go for a run and no matter how bad I, or practice, take time to practice, no matter how I was feeling before, and even though it doesn't change the situation and the circumstances, it changes me. And it, it gives me that stress relief and it gives me that structure and it gives me that outlet. It is, it is all of those things to me. And I am, immensely grateful that I found it. it it makes me healthier it helps me sleep better mm -hmm. um, and that just has made me strong enough to go through this long um, and tortuous <laughs> um, mm -hmm. situation that I'm in um, and I wouldn't want to go through this again I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy but also it has been a time of tremendous personal growth for me uh, that I'm not sure how I would have accomplished otherwise. It is those times in life where um, we would rather not be in the situation that actually when we look back on it, we can, we can see it was such an opportunity. It was a crisis opportunity for real growth. Um, and we as humans, apparently that's how we work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll let you um, save the details of that story for your book, of yeah. the, the challenges that you're going through at the moment, but it's obvious that it's, it's shaping you and you're using it as a positive way of growing and to handle adverse situations in a very deep and personal way. And it sounds like you're thriving professionally, which is crazy. And that really has been an outflow of, of that, of what's going on, the growth that's happening because of the personal life situations has 
flown flowed has flowed over into my professional life and has helped me grow in that as well. And one thing that I haven't shared that I'll share now along these lines of self-care and so forth, um, and this is transparency as well, I realized last holiday season, um, November, December, even though I was practicing and running and eating well, I, I had a, a feeling inside of myself that I was going to do what people call a dry January, just to kind of push the reset button. Wasn't going to drink in January. Um, that's the only goal I had in mind. Um, just wanted to be more intentional about my alcohol consumption. You know, I wasn't like hungover every day or whatever. Just, just this feeling that that was something that I wanted to do um, to grow, to challenge myself and to grow. So I thought after the holidays, as many people do, do a dry January. Um, and then uh, shortly before Christmas, I went out with some friends, had a little too much fun, didn't feel very well the next day and thought this is a great time. This is a great time to go ahead and start. I'll start early. It was my grandfather's birthday. It was the way to honor him. He was a wonderful man who also was an alcoholic in his life. So um, that was December 21st. Um, 10 days later, um, my daughter was admitted to the hospital for um, mental issues and she was self-medicating those mental issues with substances. Um, so that's when her journey began, 10 days after mine, and we are both about to celebrate six months sober. Congratulations. Yes, so I feel like God gave me a gift to start me on the path 10 days before she did and it's been a way of connecting with her and supporting her. Um, I don't have any long-term goals with it. I don't know if I will stay sober the rest of my life, um, but it has been, uh, the past six months have been, the growth has just exponentially increased from that decision. Wow, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. It makes me get teared up of just thinking like, <laughs> that's a big decision. And it was a big decision. Our culture is very, you know, glass of wine, meet someone for a drink, which I, as you know, thoroughly enjoy. Um, I love wine with food. I love meeting someone over a drink. Um, so it took some some shifting and some changing, of course, and then we had a pandemic. Um, but <laughs> so you're not meeting someone for a drink except online. Um, but so I, it's not a matter of judgment of others. And as I said, I, I may have a drink again in the future. I just know what's working for me right now. And this is what's working for me right now. Yeah, and, and you didn't have any idea of doing this with your daughter. It was just yeah. something that you thought a dry January. A dry January. And then she started her journey and supporting her through her journey. It's just become sort of a natural extension of that. And she's doing great. She's doing so well. And I am so proud of her because um, she has, after denying it for five or six years and trying to handle it on her own, she has accepted her mental health diagnosis and is receiving the treatment that she needs to be successful and she is succeeding. And I am so proud of her. Mm -hmm. And what a great journey to be on together. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I like to ask uh, people that are so good at providing for others and we've gone through a variety of different stories that you've done. What's something that you're hoping and praying for that you, you get provided for in your own life that you haven't yet? Oh. It'll be something funny or big or small. Just uh, <laughs> what, What's something that you're hoping for? Oh my gosh. So um, let's see. I don't often think about that. 
I'm sort of like getting through the day, getting through the short term, but I am starting to think long term a little. Um, I mentioned to you that I wanted to chat with you about finances. That's um, an area where as I manage finances for people, bookkeeping and so forth, I would like to grow in my knowledge of finances. So having those opportunity to grow and make wise financial decisions for my family's future is very much something I hope to um, have that opportunity provided. And, and an outflow of that will be the purchase of a home. And so I'm excited about that. And I'm trusting that that opportunity will come at the right time. And I would absolutely love to further my education when it's a good time for my family. Um, I'm not quite sure what direction I would like to go in, but I would like to dip my feet in the water and take maybe a general college course and see how that incorporates into my life and kind of explore which direction to take my education in. As you know, I have um, two associate's degrees. From when I was much younger, I would love to bachelor's degree and perhaps beyond. So those are some opportunities I'm hoping to be provided for in the future. I know that your learner personality will <laughs> will dominate uh, those <laughs> when the opportunities do arise. And and just, you know, you, you do it in such a, a, a genuine way of not wanting a degree, but wanting to learn and wanting to expand your knowledge and to use that to serve others with it. So. Uh, Yes, and I can't, I am so glad to know that it's on your heart's desire to reflect on the lessons learned and how you can bring love languages into the business world, but so much more than that, just sharing your own story of how you become who you are, and it's just really inspiring, so thank you for sharing, and I will be supporting and cheering you on as uh, those things on your heart to be provided for, hopefully do. Really great reflecting with you today, um, reflecting on our history, our shared history. And as all good conversations do, I feel like I have taken things away from here to think about. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect. Mm -hmm.